Hey, how you guys doing? This is the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to This Week in the Association, our NBA tip-off uh, podcast. On the line tonight, I hand it off to uh, my shooting guard, uh, my power forward. He's all those things. It's Will Stacks. Will, say hey, what's happening, man. Will Stacks in the house. What's up? What's up? All right. This is our podcast where we take you really from uh, from the jump ball all the way to the final buzzer, going over NBA topics from the week. Uh, we always start out with the jump ball. But real quick, we're going to take a real quick turn. We're recording in the Halloween season. Uh, what's your favorite Halloween candy? We talked about this on a different podcast, uh, the Brothers Comics Podcast. What's your favorite Halloween candy? Halloween candy favorite, no doubt, the Reese Cup. The Reese <laughs> Cup stands tall above all, and uh, I don't think it can be defeated. You know, maybe a close second is a Snickers, but, uh, well, maybe not even close, a distant second, because Reese Cup by far is the number one Candy, I've raided all Reese cups out of my kids' candy bags. They for that ass. Yeah, I, I I mess with the Reese cup too. It has to be cold though. I cannot eat a uh, like a non refrigerated Reese's cup. It has to be solid. So, all right, good to know. Uh, so to hit to the first quarter here, uh, the first quarter the, the Cavs are struggling, and I guess it would be still struggling from our last podcast. Uh, but it's kind of gotten worse since then. Uh, not just losses, but losses to non-playoff teams, and they take a big L to the Pacers last night as well. What's going on with the Cavs? Cavs are really struggling. Three and five at the current moment with losses to the Pacers, as you mentioned, New Orleans Pelicans. They got smashed in New York by the Nets and the Knicks, and the Orlando Magic took them down as well. Three and five. Um, they are really struggling. The oldest team in the NBA is really lacking chemistry. They cannot find a lot of new operating parts with the Cavaliers from a year ago. Uh, they have yet to find their gear. Uh, I'm sure they'll get it together at some point, but giving up 111 a game is not a great way to start the year. If you're having all-player meetings after seven games, that's never a good sign. Um, LeBron even said this is the worst offseason I've ever had. My training just wasn't what it should be. <laughs> um, if that is, uh, I, I like, I guess he's absorbing some of the blame for his teammates. However, um, they have not found their stride yet. Uh, but whenever you have LeBron, you know you're going to be okay in the end. They're having a hard time scoring. They're having a hard time defending. Is it just the October blahs, or is there a major cause for concern? Yes, they are old, and they are a little bit injured. Tristan Thompson goes down here uh, from an injury. I just heard uh, three to four weeks with a knee. Is it just, you know, four straight finals, or elite, well, eight straight for LeBron or whatever, and three straight here for the Cavs? Is it just, you know, October games don't matter? Well, that might be a small part of it. However, I think there is some concern. Um, again, when you have a lot of new pieces, it takes some time for them to gel. Remember the new shortened preseason this year, a request from LeBron, uh, that maybe they didn't have the time necessary to gel. Again, um, you got uh, mentioned the injuries. We knew Derrick Rose would go on the injury list sooner or later. Sooner in this case, as you mentioned, Tristan Thompson, Iman Shumpert out a week. Uh, a lot of pieces missing, 
So even new pieces are hard to get together with those pieces that are now out injured. And, of course, we still have Isaiah Thomas still trying to get back uh, from his injury from a year ago. So uh, there is some cause for concern. Uh, Three and five, you know, in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference is not a good place, not where they wanted to end October. Hopefully November brings better things for the Cavs. I saw something. The debate around the roundtable was, you know, is LeBron too intimidating for his new teammates? I guess there's eight new Cavs on the team. Uh, I've never heard that about LeBron. He's always seemed like kind of closer to one of the dudes who think they're just intimidated by the team. Well, that's uh, something Kyrie mentioned when he kind of said it was tough to play with LeBron at times. Um, But Kyrie might have uh, set off a firestorm of sorts. Maybe other players are now understanding where he's coming from, where he was coming from, and uh, maybe LeBron's uh, personality is too uh, alpha dog, where he is too in charge, and maybe it's rubbing some people the wrong way. Yeah, it, it, it's been surprising. Uh, uh, you know, you expect a little bit of October, but I didn't expect them to be losing the teams that they shouldn't have ever lost to before. I think they'd have been like 10 games since they had lost to the uh, to the Knicks. Um, it's just not a good look. But speaking of which, if we head to the second quarter, there's some surprise teams in the East. Some teams in the East have gotten off to much better starts and some non-playoff teams with early 500 records almost 10 games in. Uh, you got the Magic and the Pistons both lost to decent starts. The Knicks lost their first two but have come back and win, uh, I think, what, three of their next four? Who has the best chance of who has the best chance of maintaining this in the East? Well, let's give them credit right now. We won't know about maintaining, but as you mentioned, the Orlando Magic six and two to start the year. Um, they are led by probably most people couldn't name five the five starters. Definitely, probably not even three players off the Orlando Magic. Maybe uh, only Aaron Gordon. And his came from uh, the fame of the slam dunk contest. Uh, but other than him, they are led by the Frenchman, Evan Fournier, uh, averaging 23 a game. Uh, he is really showing what uh, he was supposed to do a few years ago. He's putting up the type of numbers that was expected of him, uh, slashing forward uh, from France. And then they have the big man in the, in the middle, uh, Nikolai Vujicic averaging 20 a game as well, eight boards. Um, he's uh, really taken up some space in the middle and uh, led by second-year Orlando coach Frank Vogel. Uh, they're making some noise in the East for right now. So if uh, the championship was given in October, your Orlando Magic will be the champions. However, we got a lot of games to go. But let's give them some credit while they're there. You mentioned the Pistons, 5-3 and three out the gate. Uh, not a bad start for the Pistons. Uh, Tobias Harris uh, having his best career year to date, uh, averaging 22 a game, uh, leading the way. Andre Drummond always grabbing rebounds, 15 a game uh, for him. Uh, there's some talk that they may be in the Eric Bledsoe sweepstakes uh, that could add another spark. Uh, for the Detroit Pistons, but let's give them a little bit of credit as well, 5-3 and three, uh, in the Eastern Conference. 
going west. Um, I want to give some credit to the Phoenix Suns. Yes, I said it, the Phoenix Suns. Out of the gate, 0-3, lost by an average of 32 points, fired their head coach, Earl Watson, after three games. Since then, they're 4-1, and one, and that's even without their quote-unquote best player, Eric Bledsoe, who did, doesn't want to be there. So uh, you got to give them some uh, big ups to the Phoenix Suns who really turned things around. Uh, maybe uh, the new coach as well as uh, Devin Booker leading the way, um, Kentucky West, as we'll call them, with four Kentucky players, the Phoenix Suns, is uh, are doing big things at least uh, off to a um, slow start, but have turned it around since the new coach has taken over. Yeah, we didn't have either the Magic or the Pistons or Phoenix in any of our. Now I wouldn't even not even the top rankings, of course, but I don't even think we even. I wasn't even thinking some of them teams as even being playoff teams, let alone you know leading the East. You know at the you know at the ten game mark. Yeah, those teams are probably um, not even remembered to be in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Detroit Pistons have not even uh, sniffed uh, some interest in many a years. Their biggest stories probably uh, come from uh, Coach Stan Van Gundy. Um, but then uh, the Orlando Magic haven't been relevant since Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson left, so there's uh, definitely been um, some some wake-up, if you will, in those two cities, and things are going great now. Will they last through the season? Eh, we'll see as uh, we go through uh, the month of November, at least. Yeah, as the calendar turns, as we get into November, and you did mention that a little bit about the uh, the, the pushback or the earlier start for the NBA season, LeBron requested. Um, yeah, so I think it's like a little bit of training camp still going on with some of these teams. Yeah, some of these teams I think are still uh, kicking out the cobwebs. I think we'll mention uh, one of those teams maybe in the third quarter coming up a little later. Uh, but um, a lot of teams I think will kick in the gear uh, in the month of November, and then uh, the better teams might start to separate themselves. However, uh, let's wait and see. This is, uh, as we mentioned, one of the most anticipated NBA seasons in a long time. Right. All right. So we get to halftime. Uh, as you hear Nas playing in the back background, I talked over you when you were saying that, yeah, Nas is, uh, you know, talk about the GOAT. Uh, yeah, Go ahead and give your, your feelings on Nas here as he plays us in. Well, Nas, uh, we mentioned, we talked about basketball, Michael Jordan, in my opinion, the greatest of all time to ever lace up the sneakers. When we're talking about the microphone, you got to give it to Nas. Um, there could be much debate by many, but none by me. Uh, Nas is his ability to tell a story in a way that you could picture yourself standing right there uh, with him as he tells the story and the smooth beats of DJ Premier in the background. Uh, those two together are a combination that cannot be defeated. Um, when he came on the scene immediately with Illmatic, still one of the best uh, all-time uh, CDs, LPs, whatever you want to call it, um, Nas is, in my opinion, like I said, uh, the best, the greatest rapper of all time. 
Yeah, Illmatic comes out, and I think it was in April of 94. It was right before I graduated college. Again, we, we skew a little bit old on this podcast. And, um, uh, yeah, he, he is the greatest. Uh, again, we've had these debates, not between us, but from some people that we hang out with. You know, we, 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 see, we see you, Big Ron. Uh, we see you, uh, Jerome. We we see y'all. We'll name check you on here about y'all's love for for Big or Jay Z, or uh, you know, we we see you or, and we or hear that, you. Or that Tupac guy, but uh, yeah, let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's yeah. We we, we see one. you. Yeah, we see you and we hear you and we respect you, but uh, we're gonna have to strongly disagree. All right, the halftime topic this week um, in the spirit ugly. of Halloween. Huh? <laughs> I was in ugly. Ugly, yes. In the spirit of Halloween, we're going to look at some things that are a little bit ugly. Last week, we talked about uh, Gordon Hayward's really ugly injury. Um, really ugly injury as he goes and, lo- and goes out for the season. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about ugly injuries and ugly NBA shots. You know, uh, Lonzo Ball, God bless him. Um, he's got a lot of skills, but that shot's going to need some work here probably in the summertime. So we're going to look at some ugly NBA shots and then some ugly NBA injuries. All right, so who you got for some ugly NBA shots? Well, as you mentioned, Lonzo Ball currently probably the ugliest shot in the NBA as he brings it from the hip around the side and finally gets it up. And you can see by his shooting percentage, which is just as ugly as the shot itself, uh, Lonzo Ball needs some work right there. But I want to go back a few years to – most of his career played in Phoenix and then uh, shopped around a few places. Sean Marion, if you recall, Sean Marion had one of the, the shots. It was a, a shot put of sorts. However, he was successful with it. I have to give him some credit, but it was one of the ugliest shots I have ever seen. Definitely not taught by the fundamental gurus on how to shoot a jump shot. And then uh, maybe one more from today. Uh, you have to look at DeAndre Jordan at the mm. foul line. Um, most say because his hands are so large, he has trouble uh, with the touch of the ball. Those uh, could be excuses. Who knows? But it just is not a pretty sight uh, when it goes up to the rim. So those would be my top three uh, when we talk about ugly shots right now. Okay. Uh, I got a couple from the past. And, again, it is usually the big men, but their struggles on the free throw line. Uh, Chris Dudley's delivery was god-awful. Yeah, Shaq, of course, is god-awful, and Dikembe as well. But I'm going to take two (laughs) current NBA players who have, I think, I had Sean Marion on there too, Uh, two really ugly shots. One is Michael Kidd Gilchrist. that is just awful. It's almost I, – I can't even understand how he got his hands to position on the ball, to be honest with you. And it's, it's, almost, it's almost sideways, like really, like how his delivery is. There's no hand on top of the ball for the follow-through, which is, again, one of the reasons why he can't score. Um, and then the other who's currently injured is Joaquin Noah. Joaquin Noah has a, uh, a, a oh. very ugly shot, too. Um, he hustles, he defends, he rebounds, all of those types of things. Um, he gets out on the break, or at least he used to. Uh, but his shot, like if you leave him uncontested, you know, more than seven feet out, um, good luck because uh, it's pretty bad. So, so yeah. yeah, some ugly NBA shots. 
Yeah, the yell self self check when I kill Kid Gilchrist takes a jump shot. It's um, yeah, that is a great call. One of the ugliest shots. Um, a lot of probably one of the better athletes in the NBA, but definitely not a uh, technique jump shooter. At least. <laughs> and you gotta wonder how in the world did he not necessarily he got drafted because you could tell he was such a great athlete. But how in the world did somebody not pull him to the side for the summer and be like, we need to fix this? And I know, you know, muscle memory is a thing, but we got to fix this and, you know, at 10,000 shots a day in the summer. Yes, you do have to wonder. Um, however, uh, they said, hey, kid, hey, just just keep jumping high, get those rebounds, <laughs> run the floor, you'll be okay. And uh, it's worked out for him uh, with a solid NBA career to this point. So uh, we'll give him credit for that. All right. So let's switch to some ugly NBA injuries. Uh, there's bad injuries all around in all kinds of sports, but the NBA has some has some special ones as well. Do you think of anybody? You can't use well, Gordon Hayward. Bad. Uh, yeah. We won't mention uh, Hayward because his uh, goes without mentioning. Uh, but uh, we got to talk about Paul George, uh, Team USA. That was absolutely gruesome. Uh, this probably was one of the toughest topics to research ever in the history of any talk show ever. But um, when we look at Paul George, that was pretty gross. But I want to look at two others. Uh, Derek Rose, often injured as of now. But if you think about the first time he came down long against the 76ers, mm-hmm. you immediately knew something was not right. It just was not a pretty sight when he came down. And uh, we know that has turned into many, many injuries following. But uh, Derrick Rose. And then uh, Steve Nash, when he was with Phoenix, uh, it wasn't necessarily the the ugliest injury, but the result. When he got hit across the nose against the Lakers, there was blood gushing everywhere. <laughs> and... Uh, that was uh, one thing that one I, that I remember that stood out. So it may not have been a the injury, but definitely the result itself was uh, was pretty gross. Right. Yeah, I had Paul George's on there too, and once it was, I mean, it was at an exhibition. It wasn't even against another country. I think that was USA versus USA, uh, yeah. like scrimmage. Uh, so that was bad. Um, but I got two. I'm going to take them two for like elbows and arms, and then I'm going to go to the legs. Work you down from the head to the toe like an Anderson brother. All right, uh, Rajon Rondo in that playoff game against the um, against the Heat, uh, oh. where him and Dwayne Wade get tangled up, and he goes to the ground and tries to break his fall with his hand, and his freaking elbow completely dislocates, like popped completely out. Uh, that was disgusting. And who wound up playing still in the series, though? I think he missed a game or two, but he wound up coming back to play because that's just Rondo. He probably should have been on the ugly shot list too. Yeah, he's up there. He did figure it out to at least make it somewhat effective, more effective at least, um, yeah. as his career went on. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely not textbook. Yeah. And then Andrew Bogut, uh, he takes the dislocated elbow arm off of a flip. Like, he hit a dunk, and then I think uh, the aforementioned Sean Marion pushed him in the back uh, when he was playing for, I guess it was for Milwaukee then, and he comes down and dislocates arm and breaks his arm, his elbow, and his shoulder all at the same time. 
And that one was pretty or, disgusting, too. He could have been on the list for when he broke his leg for the Cavs after oh, yeah. 40, for 45 seconds. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he could have been on for that, too. Andrew Bogut uh, has been uh, not the luckiest of souls as far as uh, some injuries. Yeah. And then my last one, but and I refused to watch it. I, yeah, before we started recording, I was saying, I've been watching some of these NBA injuries. I'm ready to toss up my dinner. Uh, Sean Livingston. Uh, uh, yeah. He's come back, what, two-time NBA champion now? Um, but when he was he playing for the Clippers? Well, the Clippers at the time, yes. yes. He was um, one of the top players in the country coming out of high school, got injured. Came back, got injured again, and uh, has ended up still having a very nice career uh, to this point, uh, giving credit for his perseverance. Yeah, but he goes down like both knees. or one, It was really bad. I, I couldn't bring myself to watch it, um, but I remember seeing it and like, nope, I don't ever need to see that again. So, yeah, just some – Ugly NBA injuries to celebrate your holiday season. Um, if you want to go yeah. back and find them, go right ahead. But I don't recommend it. Just <laughs> can we, can we briefly, briefly mention those ugly uniforms. Oh, ugly yeah, uniforms yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Got to mention, I got a couple that really stood out to me. 1995, the inaugural season of the Memphis Grizzlies, or excuse me, <laughs> Vancouver. There you go. Vancouver Grizzlies. <laughs> That was uh, the hideous teal with the large grizzly bear on the front. Uh, that Those were pretty, pretty bad with Big Country Reeves um, leading the way, so to speak. Uh, those were pretty bad. And then another one that I saw that was pretty ugly, the Grant Hill Detroit Pistons with the horse power on the front. I was not a fan of those uh, in the Detroit days. Um so sorry for the Pistons wearing those teal and burgundy and or that wasn't even teal. Some color green. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> those were pretty bad. Just yeah, a that's the one. That stood out. Yeah, that's the one that I had on my list was that Pistons one. Because, you know, they went from the kind of the classic blue and white and then you had that whatever fucking horse yeah. that was. It was yeah. awful. Yeah. The horsepower of the Pistons, yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> whoever, whoever thought of that crap, I hope lost their job. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. So we hit to the third quarter. Uh, hey, man, the champs are struggling, too. It's not just the runner-ups to the NBA championship. The uh, Golden State Warriors are struggling a little bit, too. Uh, they routed the Clippers earlier this week and hit 141 on the um, on the scoreboard. But they're still five and three. They have a loss to the Pistons themselves, uh, and Steve Kerr calls the team out for being uninspired. Cause for concern or October blah? Now this one, I would definitely credit the October blah. Uh, five and three, if you still want to call that struggling, we will call it struggling. But um, they are definitely, I think, just uh, not into the season yet. Um, they got a lot of other things going on with uh, Draymond Green fighting Bradley Beal the other night and then making reference to the NBA, fighting the NBA for the inconsistencies on the penalties, which he might have a point there. Some people get suspended, some people getting fined, some that should, that didn't. So he might have a point. Um, but, yeah, then they're talking, you know, the whole White House 
debacle that the team is going to D.C., they're just not going to the White House. So there's a whole lot of things maybe on the fringe. Uh, but, yeah, October blah for sure um, for the uh, champion Warriors. I think they'll be just fine still. Uh, you can write them down for at least 60 wins uh, as the season goes. I think I read they didn't have their third loss last year some, sometime in December. Uh so they already got the three losses. Again, it's just trying to get to close to the finish line without anybody getting injured or hurt seriously. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with the October Blahs as well. Um, and uh, their situation a little different than Cleveland's. Is their team is pretty much intact from a year ago. So they don't, they're not trying to mix in the new parts. You know, they have a couple of new faces they're mixing in. Swaggy P off to a good start. Uh, Nick Young with the Warriors, but um, yeah, they're just just trying to get into the season. Uh, like we mentioned, they're still in preseason mode. Uh, the the Warriors will be just fine. Mm, right? Yeah, I just wondering. You know, you kind of wondering when the turn on button is. To be honest with you, like when are we going to hit the accelerator? You know, for I think a lot of these teams, you know, as they're you know some of the favorites are feeling. You know, just kind of going through the motions here, and I kind of have a have an idea. Is once we get to like, you know, Thanksgiving or so, I think we'll be in full stride with a lot of our our favorites, and you know, they'll separate themselves from from the pack, so to speak. Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely the case. Um, we'll definitely uh, have a better picture of the NBA powers, like you said, by the Thanksgiving holiday of who indeed is in control of the East and of the West. All right. So we head into the fourth quarter. Um, the Celtics, though, they power back. Uh, our second podcast was, man, I don't know what's going on. They go 0-2, and, and they haven't lost since. They've run off, I think it's five or six in a row now. Kyrie is literally killing it. Um, I think he's up to, what, almost 25 a game. Um, the Celtics, are they the best team in the East again without Gordon yeah. Hayward? Well, I tell you, uh, losing their first two things didn't look great for the Celtics. Of course, the horrific injury uh, to someone they were counting big on with Gordon Hayward, but have reeled off six straight cents uh, to be tops in the East tie with Orlando. Uh, Kyrie is doing what Kyrie was supposed to do, come in leading, scoring, uh, like you said, about 25 a game. But the key has been the emergence of Jalen Brown. Probably was uh, asked to step it up a bit when Hayward went down, and he has done just that, um, where he's averaging already 20, uh, 20 a game himself. Uh, so the second-year man out of Cal already doing uh, big things uh, for the Celtics, probably a little earlier than they anticipated, but uh, – that's what a third overall pick should do. Um, but one thing to mention with them, a lot of people would say, and it seems to be true, the best coach in the East, Brad Stevens, rallied his troops together. Hey, we lost Gordon Hayward. Everyone else has to do their job. And whatever speech he has given them uh, seems to have worked. And uh, he is getting the most out of, not only the players he's supposed to get it from with Kyrie, with Brown, the rookie Tatum, he's getting huge production off the bench even, or even from Marcus Smart, 
um, doing big things. So he's getting some big production in places probably not uh, expected from the Celtics, which has put them at that 6-2 and two spot. I think one of the things we talked about in the first podcast was that you knew that they were going to kind of chew up, you know, some of the, the also rands in the East, but what's going to happen when they play, you know, one of the big teams like, well, essentially the Cavs, and that first night, whatever happened is whatever happened. They still made it a competitive game after that, even though they got, were getting blown out. They made it at least respectable. And so now, you know, that next big game, I'm assuming it'll be, you know, probably in Cleveland, you know, that next big game, let's see what they can do. You know, it's going to be a statement game for everybody involved. And, you know, maybe they can still be that top seed in the East. Will it matter at the end? You know, is Cleveland's not going to push themselves to get that number and see if they don't have to because of their age. But, you know, let's see if they can actually maintain that and beat the best team in the East when it really matters. Well, one thing you got to keep in mind, they still have an asset of pick that might be dangled to even add to the team. Um, so uh, the Celtics may not be done tinkering, but they're uh, definitely uh, in the headed in the right direction uh, as we go deep into November. And probably that next, next big game you mentioned coming up, uh, that'll be my pick for the game of the week. Okay. I was real quick too. There was a side story about um, Gordon Hayward that I read today too. Um, that you know the injury happens, blah blah blah, and he was kind of giving his firsthand account of what had happened. And I think a part of that story was uh, Coach Brad Stevens was you know it took four people to get him into the ambulance or whatever, and he was one of the four people that actually took him out there. You know he was you know Gordon Hayward was just shocked. You know he's the coach, he's got all kinds of other things, but he's taking that time to actually, you know, carry me to the ambulance to go to the hospital. So, you know, great, great yeah, little, coach and person. Yeah, that, those types of things are, are big as far as a, a player wanting to run through a wall for his team and then even the team coming together. I bet something small like that will give Hayward the incentive, hey, you know what, I'm going to work extra hard so I can get back and play for this man. He did that small gesture for me. I'm going to do what I can so I can get back on the court as soon as possible. If it's next year, whenever I get back, I'm going to show my appreciation by doing what I can on the court. Yeah. And it's officially been ruled that he will not come back this year, even if he's healthy. He's not coming back. The surgery was allegedly successful. I've never heard somebody come out and be like, yeah, yeah, we really fucked that one up. So um, <laughs> every surgery is successful. They said his was successful. So, yeah, we're going to 8 and 18, 19. All right, so we hit the wrap-up, uh, go to the game of the week. Uh, the game of the week that we are not allowed to talk about is the game that's coming on tonight, which is the Spurs and the Warriors. Any preview for that before you, we get to your pick of the week? Yeah, uh, that's definitely, um, you know, two teams that are expected to do big things in the West. Uh, this, be might, this might be a good barometer for each. Uh, we know San Antonio put a lick in on the Spurs uh, at the beginning of last year, but then on the same note, they were putting a licking on, or put a licking on the Warriors, excuse me, at the beginning of last year. The Spurs put a licking on the Warriors in game one until Kawhi Leonard uh, was injured, and we know the rest is history after that. So we know uh, San Antonio might have some uh, payback in mind, and they probably want to, like I said, make a statement. 
to say we're going to be here in the West for the long haul. So I think you'll see uh, both teams come out guns blazing tonight. Yeah. Uh, Tony Parker not back yet. Just finished it. I didn't know there was a G League. <laughs> that yeah, they, G League start. Yeah, that's the uh, NBA Developmental League. They call it the G League because of their head sponsor of Gatorade. So affectionately termed the G League, Uh, but that is the developmental league. So, yeah, Tony Parker back a little earlier, but, yeah, not anticipated to play tonight. All right. So what's your game of the week then? My game of the week is actually tomorrow night. Uh, where we mentioned the Boston Celtics, they travel to Oklahoma City to play the Thunder. The Thunder is doing pretty well as far as gelling uh, with their big three with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, That will be a big test for the Celtics as they hit the road to head out to OKC. That is what I circled on my calendar as the game of the week for the NBA Boston at Oklahoma City. My game of the week is tomorrow night as well. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Washington Wizards. Um, we get sidebar on this really quick. You know, we talked a lot about how John Wall was supposed to eat up uh, Lonzo Ball in that game, and the Wizards went out there and kind of laid an egg, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I think they, I don't know, I think they anticipated the Lakers was going to roll over, and they didn't. So good for the Lakers. But, um, two, this is a game that the Cavs should be motivated for. This is a game that LeBron should go, you know, 34, 8, and 10 easily uh, because they'll be motivated to play a good team. Washington's going to be ready to give it to them. You at least would think that they'd be ready to give it to them. So, you know, you want to kind of see if the Cavs can rise to the to the occasion of their talent. Like, I definitely got the feeling that they're just playing down to the level of their talent at this point. Well, if they go into Washington and don't give their best, they're going to get run off the floor and be beat by 25. So I'm anticipating that we'll get a chance to see some motivated Cavalier players and that they'll go ahead and take on the Wiz and, you know, at least have a decent game tomorrow night. What you think? I think it's a great signal, as you mentioned, Will they be motivated to play a quote-unquote top team in the East as uh, both teams are expected to be? Uh, If that is indeed the case, you should see the best out of Cleveland. However, if Washington drops the hammer on the Cavs and beats them like the Pacers did uh, last night or like the Knicks did a couple nights ago, uh, that might really send some, uh, some whispers through the Cavalier locker room that there could be some trouble because if they're taking uh, beating after beating, um, there are definitely some cause for concern. So, yes, that is a quality pick for a game of the week. We'll see uh, which Cavalier team shows up tomorrow night. Okay. All right. So that wraps up. uh, Let's guess podcast number three. Is that right? Yeah, podcast number three. Yeah, for Brothers Comics. we need exit music. Uh, we've gone. Let's go through the list. Week one was Triumph by Wu-Tang. Last week was um, Who Got the Props by Black Moon. What do you got this week? Oh, week three. We, let's go to 1994. We're going to go to Gangstar. Now mm-hmm. you're mine. 
Rest in peace, right. Guru. But yeah. uh, Gangster, 1994, lots of basketball references in this yeah, game. All right. Definitely right, appropriate. Okay. I can get that to play out. And uh, just a weird Gangstar reference. And I, did, I knew it before he passed away. Um, you know, as much as you would think that he was, you know, from New York because he rapped about Brooklyn. He was born in Boston. Boston yeah. bread dude. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> was not anticipating that. So, yeah. All right. All right, so as Gangstar plays us out, remember, you'll be able to find this weekendly association on the Brothers Comics Podcasting Network. Uh, there's a lot of shows on there. Um, there's the Intersection. There's uh, the Marvel Hacks. Uh, there's the Brothers Comics Podcast. Uh, you can find all of your podcasts through the Brothers Comics Podcast and our network. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can also listen to the raw audio if you want to hear us talking about it before we start recording on Spare Men. That's S-P-A-R-E-M-I-N on the Spare Men app. Uh, so a lot of places that you can find this, share with your friends, rate us on iTunes, uh, all of those types of things. Go ahead. Appeal to the people to listen to us. Appeal to the people. Love to hear comments of what you think about this week in association. Uh, please send your comments. You can find me at Mr. Waters 77 on Twitter or at Will Sack on Instagram. Once again, at Mr. Waters 77 on Twitter at Will Stacks on Instagram. Let me know what you think. This weekend, the association powers on. Right. And you can be able to find me at uh, at Brothers Comics on all of those flat platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, all of those you can find us at Brothers Comics. B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S at Brothers Comics. So, yeah. All right, so as Ruru takes us out, uh, this wraps up episode three. Again, share with your friends, all of that. We really appreciate it and all the, uh, the feedback that we've been getting. All right, so Will Stacks, man, sign off. Will Stacks is out. Peace. All right, y'all, let's ball night. Peace.